Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is becoming a figure-it-out leader. Our guest for today is uh, Samuel Sudhakar, who is the Chief Information Officer and Vice President for Information Technology Services for California State University, San Bernardino. Hey, Sam, how are you? Very good, Sanja. How are you? Very good. Great to have you with us again. Um, now, the topic we wanted to touch today is coming from the very need that leaders have to figure things out. The reason being we're not doing the same old, same old, and things are shifting. And when that happens and the customer demands are changing and what business wants from us that changes, then your standard approach to how you manage, how you lead, and how do you figure out solutions are not gonna be based on some tried and tested techniques. Something brand new, some raw thinking is required. That means the leader has to shift. The person has to be innovative, to be enterprising, and has to be a go-getter. And not only that, we also want the team which supports the leader to become like it for the organization to get value. So we wanted to touch this particular angle that this trait of figure it out. How do you develop that as a leader? So that said, first let's set the stage and let's talk about the variety and the gravity of challenges that leaders like yourself, Sam, are facing in such uncertain and turbulent times. Perfect, thank you. Thank you for having me on. So um, times are changing, uh, absolutely. And uh, in the sector, in the higher education sector that I work in, um, things are changing pretty dramatically. The uh, demand uh, from our students, the expectations of our students and our faculty and staff are uh, increasing, changing. Uh, students are coming to campus as uh, technology-native uh, students, and so their expectations are, are pretty high. And uh, combine that with declining funding and resources, we always have to think creatively and innovatively about how we continue to create value in our organization in moving our students forward and uh, making them successful and helping our faculty and staff uh, work alongside in, in making the students' life successful. So um, one of the approaches we have taken lately is collaboration. So um, often we, we work independently on projects. Um, we find solutions for campus needs. We are proactive about the, uh, the anticipate the needs of our students, faculty, and staff going forward, but we have, we have done that very independently so far. So being in public higher ed, it is time for us to collaborate with other public higher education institutions to find out how we can collectively work together in satisfying the demands of our students in the face of declining funding and in increasing expectations. Um, we in California State University uh, are fortunate enough that we have 23 campuses across the state and we work very collaboratively with, across the state and uh, more so now than before. We are trying to find out how we can do things collaboratively to keep the costs down 
reduce the fixed operating expenses, at the same time improving the customer experience, student experience on our campuses. So these are the t- basically you'd say the, the challenges that you had and the solution to that you said is anything new that comes, you go ahead and collaborate. Now, given all right. parties who are collaborating, they should have uh, the ability to figure it out. But if we don't have that, either there is a weakest link issue or there are separated links which are trying to work together but they're not coming together and thus the outcome the intended outcome is is not reached. And when it comes to be able to figure things out, you got to have the culture. You then have to have the confidence that you can jump in. And the finally, the capability. So the fact that you have things coming which you've never tackled before, neither you nor your other collaborating partners, what's that magic pill you've discovered that no matter what comes to you, you'll be able to figure it out? So there's strength in numbers, right? Um, Distributed across uh, our 23 campuses, uh, we have a lot of expertise. We have a lot of talent and skills. So there's, um, I believe there's nothing we cannot tackle um, together. Uh, There there might be some weaknesses in some areas where there are strengths in other areas, but put together, working independently uh, anymore is very inefficient. Working collaboratively provides more efficiencies and uh, better talent pools. And and it's almost like crowdsourcing um, the issues and finding the solutions out there. And uh, with the advent of cloud computing and uh, other new technologies that have come on board, artificial intelligence and machine learning, we we are able to face those challenges and uh, put our heads together and see how we can figure out and uh, how we can figure how to solve a problem together. We don't have to do it alone anymore. And and so I agree with you based on what you just said is that the confidence is there based on what you, you literally made a claim that there is nothing that we cannot figure out. But that actually is a great kind of confidence. Would you say there is an underlying culture that got developed not only internally within your university, but also your collaborating partners, that you are singing the same song, you are maybe not singing the same song, maybe you're purposely trying to look at things with from different angles, and thus you're able to do, but more importantly, the capability. See, having confidence that I can win over the world is one thing, but having the capability to crack a problem is another. So are you saying besides confidence, somehow you've developed a capability like no one else has done, where you're able to figure out no matter which problem is thrown at you? Sure. So um, the culture is hard to change, right? Uh, people have been uh, have have been used to working independently and running their own shops, and especially when it comes to staff, when we start collaborating and uh, buying things together or running things together on the cloud, there's always this uh, uneasiness about losing control, and. Uh, and you know, losing and when you have that mindset of losing control, then you're not able to think innovatively and creatively. You're always trying to protect your territory. Um, the and what I believe is, you know, in order to technol- in order for technological innovation to take place, human innovation needs to take place first. Human innovation leads to technological innovation to solve the modern day issues that we are facing. 
And for human innovation to take place, there are three elements that are important. One is the element of hope. The second is vision. And the third is the greater good for humanity. Now, in our case, you know, um, what we have done in our organization is have created that hope. And I've said about this in, in our shows before, that we have created the hope for our, our staff that they have something to look forward to, whether in their personal or career advancements, when they work collaboratively together. And the vision is for the greater good of what we are doing for the society in higher education. So um, our greatest good is that we produce uh, well-educated and well-skilled graduates that go out in the workforce and uh, are productive in, in, their, in the businesses that they work in and in the communities that they live in. So we, uh, the vision of Cal State San Bernardino is, uh, is we transform lives, and that's what we do every day. And we create that hope and vision in our employees and that's what leads them to work collaboratively with uh, with the counterparts across the state. It's it's very difficult um, if if you hold on to things and uh, try to do things the 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 normal old way. Would you say that you you and the team members who work with you are fully cooked that they could they have all the background and training to handle such problems, or would you say that there are some gaps and not in particular your university alone, but overall as you see companies trying to you know, solve problems and get into uh, areas which are totally uncharted territories. Where are the gaps that you find in terms of capability and culture and confidence for them to be able to tackle and figure them out? Yeah, th- there's definitely there are gaps. Uh, there are several areas that uh, we lack expertise in and skills in. And that's where professional development comes in. Uh, working with consulting agencies such as Gartner and uh, and other universities across this across the uh, across the country, uh, we develop those skills. We send we routinely send our folks to professional development trainings to to learn about the latest and greatest technologies and the solutions that are out there. Um, more than ever now, our team members are going out attending conferences and workshops and training sessions in order for them to equip themselves for the newer technologies that are coming at us that will help us solve these problems. So the gaps exist every day, and uh, the gap that exists in my organization might not be the gap gap that exists in another university. So we're able to collaboratively, excuse me, um, fulfill those gaps together um, and find out how we can put our heads together to to solve the problem at hand. Now, if you have those problems, and I'm sure these are not new problems in terms of the gaps, I would not call them problems, they are gaps, and of course there will always be gaps in some sort. What is typically an organization doing to fill those gaps because some of them are systemic, then some of them are just the fact that you move on and you improve yourself in one area and then the world moves faster in terms of the type of changes that are uh, brought on us. So do you keep playing catch-up or do you think you get to a point where you say, okay, I have these things under control? No, um, so the culture change needs to happen. And uh, especially in the world of IT, 
things are changing every day. There are new technologies that are coming on board every day and new things are being developed. So the mindset of, you know, I'm going to run my server and I'm going to do this job for a long time is, uh, it, it needs to change. And uh, for the most part, um, I think that mindset is changing. There are some uh, folks who hold on to, I'm comfortable doing this. I'm not willing to experiment with the newer, uh, newer and emerging technologies. And that's what we're trying to change. There's one program that we have launched in our institution is that we allow folks from different departments to go and work in another emerging technology area, emerging um, very new technology area, about 10 hours a week out of their work week. And uh, that without any risk, they are able to go and explore that technology to see if they would fit into that team who's working on that particular project. So uh, it sparks their interest. Then we have tech exchange programs with, um, with folks from other universities uh, going to each other's schools and seeing what they're doing, getting, out of their, getting them out of their comfort zones and allowing them to meet others and uh, experiment with new technologies without any risk to their current position. Those are all innovative things that we have done that, to create that hope to our, uh, our folks. So, you know, uh, rather than them coming every day to do the mundane job that they were doing, um, of course, you know, we have to keep the lights on. We have to run our systems and make sure it's available uh, 24-7, 365. But, you know, that's the operational part of IT. There is the innovative part of IT that, that needs to become tactical and then operational. There are three levels uh, innovate, innovation, tactical, and uh, operational. And we have to be working on all the three spaces every single day in order to uh, move us forward. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about the expectations which we should have from a leader. That is every leader supposed to be someone who will, by default, figure things out? Or at some point, the person can actually show vulnerability in front of their executive management to say, you know what, this problem is above us because of X, Y, Z reason. So we have to do something about it, but I cannot go and claim to be Hercules that I can do everything possible. What is the environment that would allow people to eventually figure it out by first approaching uh, with the openness that a leader can also be vulnerable. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. 
Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, here we are talking about, Sam, situations where things cannot be solved, at least at the very moment when you are tackling them. And, of course, the people below and above you are getting anxious to get some resolution. Do you always go back and, you know, pound your chest and say, oh, I'm going to somehow figure it out? Or you are allowed or have the permission to show your vulnerability to seek help and actually get, uh, get, get a resolution over time, but not necessarily taking all the load yourself? Because that also is like doing justice to the, the people and setting the right expectations. Absolutely. So being vulnerable is very important as very important as a leader. And it's not only being vulnerable to your leadership team, uh, to your bosses, but also uh, 360 to your peers, uh, your colleagues and uh, your customers. Because the minute we think that we're invincible and uh, we have the answers to everything, that's when we start sliding down. And uh, nobody knows everything. Nobody has the answers to everything. And there, there are circumstances where we come to a standstill and say, well, we really don't know the answer to this question or we don't know how to solve this problem. We don't have the resources to solve this problem. So I am very transparent with uh, my boss and uh, my colleagues and, and our students, faculty and staff and say, you know, um, we know this is a problem. We have... Uh, we acknowledge that this is a problem, but right now we don't have the solution. So give us some time and help us figure this out. Help us uh, find out the answers and uh, get back to you. The most important thing about uh, these kinds of situations is, is to keep uh, our peers and colleagues and, and bosses informed, uh, be, being communicative. So... Uh, the last thing uh, you know, our customers hate is that they, they present us a problem and we don't know the answer to it and we never get back to them. Um, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, if I get back to them uh, and tell them that I don't, I don't have an answer, they might not like it. Uh, you know, it, you always feel that kind of a sense of responsibility that, uh, to, to give an answer to uh, a student or, student or faculty and staff, and we always don't have the answers. So as long as we communicate with them and say, uh, I, I acknowledge your request, I acknowledge this issue, I acknowledge this uh, particular problem that needs to be solved, but I, I, I really don't have the answer at the moment, but I will research and I'll get back to you and keep in constant communication about um, how you are attempting to solve the problem. Um, so let me give you an example. There's a software licensing deal that we're dealing with at our university, there's a group of uh, students and faculty and staff who want this particular software that is very expensive. 
And um, that particular software is unfortunately a monopoly and uh, there's no other alternative to that particular piece of software. So although there's a great need on campus, the, the need is not substantiated enough for us to go and buy and implement that software across the institution. Just, just for, you know, about maybe 1,000 students out of 21,000 students might use the software. And uh, so what, what I do is I constantly keep negotiating with the software vendor. Um, the vendor has come down quite a few notches in the last couple of years, but we still haven't come to an agreement that uh, the, the cost that we are spending for the software is, is going to uh, justify the number of users. So, uh, and, and they understand, faculty understand uh, what we're dealing with. And as long as you are communicative and you tell them what you're doing, the steps you're taking to solve the problem, I think you're in good shape. And the, uh, they don't expect you to know the answers to everything and they don't expect you to solve everything. Uh, they, they, you know, they're, we're all human and uh, we have areas of weaknesses where we need to work through these kinds of things. So one is to jump into a problem, and in that process, you will somehow figure some things out. You will have some burns and bruises, and you may end up solving that problem at least partially, or even, you know, if you get lucky and things align, then even fully. But then what are you doing, or what should an organization be doing that the learning as part of solving or as part of jumping in is institutionalized so that next time it doesn't look like things which are as formidable as they were the first time and the organization grows so their ability to figure it out individually or collectively improves. So it, it comes with uh, building relationships with the stakeholders in your organization. So um, there's, there's nothing that you know, there are certain responsibilities with, that come with my position, and uh, leadership um, requires collaboration and working with the others who might have the expertise that you don't have. So, um, when it, you know, uh, what I keep telling my folks is when it comes to information security, even though there's an information security office, the uh, information security is everybody's responsibility. And when it comes to different things, um, it's everybody's responsibility to join hands together to solve a problem together. So when I enter into negotiations with vendors and uh, try to solve problems, I, I bring our stakeholders along to sit in on the conversation as we are trying to solve the problem. Uh, so they get the perspective of what we are dealing with, the way we are approaching the, the issue, and quite often you get a lot of input from those conversations from stakeholders who might not have expertise in that field. They'd be like, uh, you know, uh, why don't you try this or why don't you try that? And it, it really broadens your perspective because as technologists and um, as, as leaders in technology, we, we're, all, we're tuned to think in certain ways. And when you bring others who have a problem but not necessarily a technological background to solve the problem, they bring a perspective which is pretty unique and uh, pretty valuable most of the time. So um, we need to approach things um, in, in a collaborative fashion, and the relationship that we build with, with our stakeholders is very, very important. 
um, as, as they get to know you and you get to know them and you build that uh, credibility with your stakeholders and the, and, and the relationship, then no matter what comes your way, they know that you are approaching it with the right attitude and, and the right perspective, and they would be they would be happy to jump in and, and lend you a hand in helping us uh, solve the issue. And you know what, what? What you just mentioned about getting people along and working with them, building relationships, those are great. I am referring to also, in addition, the knowledge management, if you will, right? You know that institutional learning you get? when you try to figure some things out, because when you jump in the first time, you may not have thought of some parameters that govern the situation. Then some of the things that you try, which worked or not worked, or partially worked in one situation or the other, would it not be a good idea that as we go about fighting fires, we have some form of formal or semi-formal system which will allow to retain that knowledge of figuring things out in-house and not leave with someone leaving the company. So if you are institutionalizing, figuring out as what I call as a competency, would there be a way to formalize the related knowledge which gets generated? Uh, A a form of a formal knowledge management, that's what I can use as a term here. Is there a way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, no two problems are alike, and uh, you don't solve the the problem uh, the same way two times, especially when it comes to technology. That being said, uh, you know, that's when we we talk about mentorship of uh, leaders who are coming behind us, uh, the leadership team, and and the folks who are involved in the negotiation or solving a problem. Um, when a leader leaves, if the organization crumbles, then the leader hasn't done a very good job, right? So the leader has to build that knowledge base and leave people with that institutional knowledge that uh, they built during that tenure in that organization. So we have uh, we, we have mentorship programs in our organization where we allow our uh, subordinates to come and work with us on certain problems. Um, we haven't done a very good job of documenting uh, how we solved a particular problem because it seems to be different every time we solve a problem. But there are certain basic principles about approaching a problem the way it is and getting stakeholders involved at the very early stage, keeping them informed, um, and continuing to look for other solutions. These are general principles that we follow when it comes to uh, solving a problem. Um, unlike, uh, you know, uh, in, 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 when you deal with uh, a help desk, for example, you know, they, they have users calling in with the same kinds of questions and they build, build a knowledge base of the frequently asked questions. And when another caller calls or they go to the knowledge base, they're able to find the solution to the problem. But unfortunately, the, uh, the issues that we face uh, are complex and they're changing, they're dynamic. So there's not uh, a single way to, to, to build the knowledge base other than putting in, putting in general principles that adapt through time of how to approach and solve a, a particular problem. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, we will be right back, and we have to look at the approach. One is as a leader, but then we are only as good as the team that we have. 
So to build a culture, a build a competence, build the confidence of figuring things out, there has to be something uh, to, be, to be looked at at the time when you're hiring people or in many cases when you inherit uh, the team members. Do something with them so that they are not afraid of jumping in into a new problem. Figure out a way to be resourceful and innovative. What does it take to build a team which is willing individually and collectively to figure things out? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, with, with the individual leaders who they themselves could become or maybe groom themselves to figure things out, but they are only as good as their team. And that team may not always come with that uh, approach, that mindset, that capability, that confidence. So there are, you got two layers that you have to deal with. One is at the time of hiring, you filter people out and only introduce the new ones who bring some of those competencies to make your job easier, to get them to a point where they can start naturally figure things out. Then you, you get some people who may transfer from another department or they may be some incumbents you know, who are already there. What are you doing, number one, at your university and what leaders should be doing? To get that team to transform into individual and and as groups into those SWAT teams, if you will, right? That's what we are essentially talking about. A SWAT team which always is ready to jump on a new problem and more likely than not figure it out. Sure. So, you know, when when new employees are hired... um, they they don't come to the job the first day and say, you know, I'm just going to do a mediocre job and uh, collect my paycheck and go home. 
most of the time when, when you hire new employees, they come with a lot of enthusiasm and uh, they have a lot of hope for their future, uh, for hope for the future of themselves and, as well as the institution. Over time, um, when we don't continue to keep them interested, create an environment in which they can grow and thrive, then they become, uh, they become very mediocre. They, they, uh, they become very operational. And uh, whether it be new employees or incumbent employees, you know, uh, it, it's very important for the leadership team to consider them as a human being and create an environment in which they, they thrive and grow and produce for the organization. I always say uh, to our team that it's a 50-50, 50% you, you give to the organization and 50% the organization gives to you in terms of helping, allowing you to grow and thrive within the organization. It's a, it is a culture shift. Um, you know, we, uh, we're not dealing with, uh, we're, we're no longer dealing with employees who, who, who are machine facing anymore. Um, most of IT employees with uh, everything moving to the cloud, most of the IT employees are people facing, human facing, and, uh, they're expected to be problem solvers and consultants and working with the teams across the university in solving the problems. So um, keep, keep them interested, give them professional development opportunities, and continue to groom them to be the leaders of the next generation. That, that, is, uh, that is the key. And with, with IT, things are changing at such a dramatic pace, and we should never allow a situation where uh, people start thinking, man, this, this particular technology might replace me, because there's always going to be a need for uh, people who are consultants, who are problem solvers, who are team collaborators, and uh, uh, and, and those. So that, those are the kinds of skills that we need to develop within our employees in addition to developing specific technological skills. Now, talking about the risk, because I would not say that any new area that you jump into, you, you, you would uh, be totally, well, you should be fearless jumping in, but you cannot be cowboy either, where you totally dismiss the risks that come with trying to figure out a solution which might have other regression issues or it introduces risks in the organization. So do you, on one hand, develop the team and even as you wear your mindset, become totally, uh, you know, while, while you're fearless, but should you be oblivious of what risk can it cause? But if you go that route, then you would also somewhere stifle the creativity. Would you think there is a need for a balance when you're oh, jumping in into totally unknown territory, but, you know, um, also keeping risk in mind? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's always risks that come with newer technologies. Uh, there's security risks, and, you know, the world we live in, uh, there's always uh, uh, elements out there that are looking for gaps where they can come in and, uh, and create, create chaos in an organization. Uh, so we need to balance risk and innovation. So the, if we worry a lot about the risk, then the innovation is getting stifled, as, as you, you say. So the fundamental uh, premises of IT innovation uh, need to be kept in mind, such as, you know, what, what are the risks involved and uh, how do we deal with those? And you never operationalize an innovative technology until you have vetted all the risks. So that's why I said, you know, there's an, there's an innovative layer where we experiment with all those kinds of technologies 
um, and uh, with very low risks of the production environment. The production environment has to be up and running all the time. That's what everybody expects. Uh, we can't be um, we can't be delving uh, putting innovative technologies into the production environment until they are moved to the tactical level and then they become operational. So there's always this cycle where we are experimenting with innovative technologies that have a lot of risk or unknown things we don't even know about, and then it moves to the to the tactical level where we piloted with the certain segments and uh, vetted out, and and then before we move to the operational level, that's where all the risks have to be vetted out because once you move to production, then there is no going back. So uh, it, it's a constant uh, it, it's a constant cycle in which we experiment with unproven technologies, um, emerging technologies that uh, might or might not hold a promise for the future. And then once we have semi-vetted those, we move it to the tactical level, and then a lot of care is given before it's moving, moved to production. Now, one on one hand, we have to handle risk, and then, of course, um, so-called motivate the team to do this, given so much going on already, right? I mean, your regular day job doesn't have the two-hour buffer where you go outside, sit in sun, and sip coffee. And on top of it, you want people to jump into totally unknown territories. Yes, there are people who love doing that, right? So they dig it. And those are the people you would love to have for such situations. But that is not to say that there are not other people who also want to have a life. So are we saying the figure it out is going to be um, isolated effort and, and uh, identified people for with those propensities are the ones who you will invite and the rest of them can still go and sip coffee and have a life. How are you, how are you giving people the workload and the work variety so that they overall stay incentivized and or maybe what's other type of incentive besides just giving them a good quality and a good balance of work and life? Right. So um, in, in most organizations, uh, you know, you probably have read this before, is 20% of the employees uh, do 80% of the job. And, uh, you know, the rest of them are just uh, doing their job, you know, coming in and, and pr producing uh, the minimal and going home. And what happens is when you, if that continues, then the 20% of, of the folks who are innovative and who wants to jump in and, and do the innovative technologies and solve problems will get burnt out. And that's not a good way to handle an organization. So what we're trying to consciously do is, now, uh, tackling the 80% uh, of the workforce that is not very highly productive uh, is a very... Um, very big chunk to chew. So we're trying to figure out how to get the next 10% or the next 20% and slowly move them to the productive 20%. And, uh, you know, in, in every organization, there are employees who are very willing to tackle new things and they are uh, they're on the, on the leadership track. They're very self-motivated. They're intrinsically motivated. And then there are some folks who need the little push to move to that level. And uh, so there are several, uh, as, as we have discovered, there are several employees within our own organization that are at that level where we just need to give them a little motivation and push them to the, 
to, to the top 20%. So if we are able to move the next 20%, so 40% of our employees are, are highly productive and innovative and doing all these things, I think we, we would have come a long way. So that's, that's something we're working on as a leadership team, working in collaboration with our, um, our team members. And, you know, in every decision-making process, we involve our, uh, our team members, not necessarily the leadership team, and uh, allowing them to – they are the ones who deal with the customers and on a day-to-day basis. They are at the operational level, and they know uh, the problems better than we do. So we involve them in that process. And, uh, and you, you, see, uh, you, you see a lot of people having a lot of potential who uh, we, we would have never tapped into if we didn't take that particular approach. So it's, it's, it's a slow process in which you move, uh, you know, first 10, uh, the 20% of our, of our employees are, are really good. They are high, high, high producers, and then you slowly start moving the rest of them up the organizational chain. So uh, you, you do mention about these people all coming together and working. So And then also some people, you said, as 20% of the people do 80% of the job. So are we, in a way, admitting that there will be some people who, even though you push, they will still not get there. So are we giving up on an organization? Or, or, or in other words, may I ask this, are you looking at the figure-it-out it leadership to be a privileged thing or something which some people will pick up voluntarily and you are willing to let the other people who are not naturally um, accustomed to it or that's not their true trait, they would just become a supporting function so that as a group, you are able to figure things out and not individual yeah, heroes. Yeah, so um, there, you need every kind of um, employee in the organization. You can't have um, everybody who wants to be innovative and do cutting-edge things. You need people to run the operations, uh, the day-to-day mundane tasks, and there are some employees who are always going to be happy with the mundane tasks that they're doing on, on a day-to-day basis. And we give them opportunities. We have them develop their professional development plans. And if they say, well, I'm happy with what I'm doing and I'm willing to take on new responsibilities as they come on, but I'm not going to be on the cutting edge, that's okay too. Uh, we, we need those folks. Um, and they're the stable um, uh, show up every day on time and, and uh, put their nose to the grind and, and do the job that needs to be done to keep the lights on. And we need those folks as well. And uh, there's always, it's never going to be 100%. Um, to the extent we can move to a higher percentage than the 20, I think uh, we, we need to try and, uh, and, and we, we are succeeding in our organization. So it's a constant uh, effort. Uh, you can't let your uh, foot off the gas pedal. It's it's an everyday thing. It's uh, it, it's building relationships. That's uh, when it, you know with people, process, and technology, uh, we've figured out that people come first. And you put people first, and uh, you motivate them. You create hope for them. They're going to produce for you. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, we will be right back, and let's talk about some of the executive management quirks or gaps or um, disconnect, if you will, that exists in organizations, which prevent some of the leaders like you, Sam. I'm not saying that's happening in your organization, but sometimes executive management wants the word from you, but is not able to provide you the support or, or the right type of input or the sponsorship 
or the influence which will allow you to become that figure it out later. What are those and how do you manage your manager or manage your leader to a point where you're able to help them help you? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So we are talking about building a figure-it-out leader or becoming a figuring-it-out leader, figure-it-out leader, and, and then also your teams. But then you got an executive management or the board. So on one hand, you, you could work very hard to develop that competence in you and your team. And then on the other hand, you got executive management while they may be supportive of the idea, but then they may not offer you the necessary support, the sponsorship, the the guidance or at least the leeway so that you develop that competency and that approach to leading organization through the uncharted waters. What are some of those limiting beliefs you've seen leadership carries, the executive management, which you have to tackle or you may have tackled or your peers may have tackled before you could dream building this figure it out leadership and an organization? Sure. Uh, first of all, I, I'm very fortunate to have an executive management that understands the value of IT and how, how IT contributes to the institutional mission and vision and goals. So um, what a leader, an IT leader needs to do is, is uh, to align themselves with the vision, mission and goals of the university or the organization that they work for. IT is a support function. Um, we create a lot of innovation, but it's in support of the institutional mission and vision. So at uh, the CSU system, we have a big initiative called Graduation Initiative 2025, where you know the goal is to graduate more students in four years and provide quality education and uh, inclusive excellence um, in the CSU system. So 
what IT does every day, we live and breathe GI2025, the university strategic plan, and everything that we do is tied to satisfying the goals of the university, the vision and mission of the university. So um, communicating what we're doing in support of the vision and mission of the university to our executive team, to our president and, and uh, our colleagues, and to the campus community uh, continues to keeps, continues to keep them engaged in what we are doing because they see the value that we are creating for the organization and how the things that we are doing, the activities that we are doing, the initiatives that we are putting forward are helping the move the needle forward. And often it happens in collaboration with all the departments and divisions across the university because this is an institutional responsibility to help our students be successful and graduate on time and uh, find meaningful jobs. So um, IT doesn't stand alone. Uh, we, we collaborate with the, with the other departments and divisions, and we are highly visible in our organization. So every day they see the value that we create to the organization. And, and when it comes to funding or support, that's where you know it becomes easier when you're constantly communicating and you're visible and you're producing results in moving the institution forward in 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 the strategic missions and goals of the institution. And so so you, you definitely have a congratulations for being fortunate that your team is actually doing all the right things. For many who are not as fortunate, what do you recommend? is the best way to align or bring those executive management uh, to, to, to the same level where they recognize and eventually support your efforts to take the organization to a point where it can tackle anything that comes its way? So, you know, communication is key and uh, keeping them informed of all the initiatives that you are involved in and uh, tying them to... Um, to the uh, if for for-profit organizations to towards the bottom line of the organization or for nonprofits towards the vision mission and goals of the uh, organization uh, I think is key many times when when we might do, be doing some great things in the background uh, but we're not telling a good story about the value that we are creating for our uh, for our stakeholders and how important it is for us to continue to support um, IT in order to move the institution forward. Uh, when there's a communication break and you're not constantly providing reports and uh, milestones and uh, you know assessment is a huge uh, thing in our organization. How is what we're doing uh, benefiting our students and how is that helping them move forward in, in uh, timely graduation and retention? So, uh, it's a constant communication, providing reports, providing uh, dashboards of uh, the progress that we are making, uh, you know, towards the institutional goals, uh, keeps, them, keeps us visible, will keep us visible in front of our executive leadership teams. Now, uh, coming to the business unit leaders, like you would have recognized that while the leadership at the top reached there because they were far more open, far more objective, but then you would find, say, a, a VP of manufacturing, right? Or in your case, uh, VP of course development. I'm just, just saying that I could say a business function. They may have been doing the same thing over and over and over, and they become expert at it, and they became experienced at it, and that's why they reached that level. For us to be able to figure out a new problem, it is not going to be only 
you in IT who is blessed to have been naturally dealing with so many different changes that you get used to tackling them. This figure it out approach requires to build a new muscle for many of these business unit leaders, which they don't know how and their first knee-jerk reaction is to resist. How do you bring them in your camp or help them feel comfortable with this new way of thinking and working? Sure. Uh, first of all, we need to keep um, our ears open. So uh, there's two ways uh, in which we operate. One is, you know, we are reactive in terms of when a problem is presented to us, uh, we're all over it and we're trying actively trying to find the solutions for the problem. The other one is being proactive and keeping our ears open. So, you know, when we attend meetings across campus, when we hear things from people in other departments and divisions, we're always thinking, well, you know, the, we could be a good solution provider for this particular problem that they're facing. They might not come to you and explicitly say that, hey, you know, I have this problem, I, I need you guys to help me, but us approaching them and saying, hey, I heard you saying this in this meeting, I have a suggestion for you, what do you think about this? And um, offering them solution even before they come to you and ask them has worked very effectively in our organization. And it comes with building that relationship, building that credibility with the um, with, with your colleagues and uh, across the institution in that um, you're not uh, a threat to them. You're not undermining what they're doing. You're respecting the expertise that they have in their area, but you are willing to offer your expertise to solve a particular problem uh, with a technological solution. So, uh, you know, keeping your ears open, not just uh, saying, you know, these are our, this is what we know, these are the perceived problems that we are trying to solve. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of, uh, we do surveys and we, we do lots of feedback and focus groups to, to collect the set of issues uh, now and upcoming to solve the problems. But then, you know, there might be some things that are underneath the surface that will never come out unless you proactively go and approach your colleagues and say, you know, I might have a solution for you. Can we sit down and talk? So uh, and it, it does come with knowing and building the relationship and building credibility with your colleagues in the organization. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Sam, for sharing your views and strategies about becoming a figure-it-out leader. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And listeners, hope you enjoyed the conversation. We all need to become figure-it-out leader because what the future holds and the way the faster future is coming ahead. Hope you enjoyed it. Listen to us uh, through different podcasts we have available through iTunes, TuneIn, iHeart, Spotify, Voice America, you name it. And then also, of course, join us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Please stay tuned for the next segment next week. Uh, this is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.